It's episode 16 of the Customers Who Click podcast, and I'm really excited about today's guest. Uh, anyone who's met me or follows what I talk about on LinkedIn will know that I'm all about the customer experience, you know, giving people the best possible experience, ideally with some uh, quality personalization in there as well, which is why today's topic got me really excited as I've got Matt Barnett, the founder of Bonjuro, talking with me today about personalized video. I'm not going to spoil anything, but personalized video it sounds really cool. And this video has enlightened me to a whole world of new opportunities. But let's hear from Matt now. Hi, Matt. Thank you for joining me. Uh, can you tell us a bit about yourself, a um, bit of your background and why you do what you do? I think, Will. Uh, my name is uh, Matt. I am the Papa Bear or CEO at a company called Bonjour. Uh, we're a tech SaaS company based out of uh, Australia uh, with a team in about six other countries. And we do uh, software that does one-to-one personalized video messages. And specifically, this is a software that plugs into if you're using any kind of CRM or customer um, platform like a Shopify to a, to an intercom, active campaign, et cetera. And we ping you at certain points on a customer's journey to send a video to convert, activate, or retain them. Um, why do I do what I do? I love products. I'm, a, I'm actually a product guy. So I love building stuff that doesn't exist. Uh, I love building a SaaS company. I think... I've run a few businesses and uh, SaaS has the beautiful thing where it's, it's, you can get to a, a stage of predictable growth and predictable revenue. So it makes mapping out where you're going pretty nice to do. I mean, it's still difficult as any businesses, um, but I, lo- I, love, I love building kind of a machine, if you like, or kind of funnel that, that works. And then, you know, each month we kind of double down on different parts of that funnel, improve it, move on to the next one, come back again. Um, it's pretty exciting to kind of build a business that way, I think. Yeah, I think um, it's something I've looked into a, a couple of times. I've got a couple of little projects on the go. Um, but yeah, I guess once you've got to a certain stage, you know how many new people are coming in every month, you know what your churn rate is, you know what your revenue is. And so there's still a lot of work to do, but there's a bit less pressure, I guess. You know, you, Unless something goes wrong, you've got a pretty good idea of what the next month will look like. Um, you know, you, especially with repeat, you know, repeat revenue, um, which is what I think every business would want. Um, so what's the, what's the standard day look like for you? Uh, standard day, so I was just saying before, normally I start at 5am here because we are, well, I'm based in Australia, uh, but we are 95% customer base overseas. So about 70% US, probably 20% Europe and then 5% other. So that means that being where we are, Calls with customers uh, very early, calls with partners um, very early in the morning, and then calls with team. Um, I then generally get into um, product stuff probably after clearing out that kind of those those things, maybe about three hours in, and then I generally try to work on product for the day. Um, that does get disrupted. Uh, unfortunately, I also am the CEO, so I have to do things like board meetings, <laughs> monthly reporting, all, all that kind of joyful stuff that one day hopefully I shift to somewhere else. Um, so that kind of takes up my day and then, uh, I have a, I have a young daughter. So I tend to take time off, uh, later in the afternoon with her, uh, before getting back onto calls with a UK team at this time of day, uh, and wonderful people like yourself will. So yeah, <laughs> long days. What can I say? Yeah. Well, you know, it's the, the cost of, um, moving out to Australia and enjoying uh, a lot more nicer weather than we've got in the UK. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so tell us a bit more about Bonjuro uh, and personalized video. You know, what is it? How does it work? Um, what businesses does it work for? 
Yeah, so while I'm talking specifically about businesses, what I'll do is I'll, I'll talk about where people use it. So the the core concept is that at certain points on the customer journey, rather than just sending them a generic um, email video uh, message, um, you actually record a personalized video just for that customer or lead. So for instance, uh, one of the places this is used um, is in lead conversion. So if you're having signups coming in, and obviously you're looking to convert those more those signups to a paid user, let's say if you're a SaaS company, then as those signups come in, the ones that are um, ideal customers or larger customers or potentially just all, all, all the leads that come in, you send them a video and you say, hey, Paul, I saw you signed up with Dogs of Us or whatever the company is um, from Amsterdam. Just want to say welcome on board. Uh, I can see, by the way, that you've done X, Y, and Z in your onboarding, but you haven't got to this point here. So I'm including a link that lets you go into the next step, which is really important in making you an active customer. If you have any questions, let us know. So you're, you're spending your time doing a 30-second video. If you're using a CRM like an Intercom or a MailChimp or an active campaign or Salesforce or, or anything, um, we actually notify you at the right time to send users videos and we pull in information about the user so that you can personalize these very quickly. Obviously, the lead or customer receives these videos. They're kind of blown away at the fact you've taken the time for them. Um, you know, I often say like we're not. It's not really about the video. It's actually about the time that you put in. And by personalizing, you show the user you care, and you're much more likely to get them to go and take the next step. Uh, so we see where people use this. We generally get about three times the response rate of any other comms method. Um, in terms of where it's used, so four areas. That that first case I mentioned, lead conversion. Is used by every industry from, um, you know, financial uh, wealth managers to mortgage brokers to dentists to SaaS companies, uh, you name it. Uh, it's a really good place to start because everyone has leads. The next step we are generally used is in activation. And this mostly applies to either SaaS companies or if you're running an online course company. And what happens here is that you have someone who has paid and they are paid user um, now, a lot, a lot of your churn will come from paid users who haven't correctly activated. So they sign up with all the good meaning in the world and then two weeks later haven't set up their account properly or haven't understood how to get value and you'll lose them within the first three months. So videos are a great point to check in with these users who might not be that engaged and get them back into the platform and get them to take those first few steps that mean that they'll get success and stay with the company for 12 months or more. The third place we use is reactivation. And this is generally with customers who have gone quiet. So this can apply to, again, any industry, SaaS, et cetera. Um, we get this used a lot in something like, like a gym, which obviously isn't a SaaS company. But interestingly, that industry, a lot of people have gym memberships. A lot of people go for three months, and then a lot of people just start to fall off the wagon. And so they use these videos as a way to get back in touch with lapsed users to obviously get them to reactivate, to come back in again. Um, and not churn, essentially, um, based on the funds or SaaS. And then the last place we used, and this is probably best used by e-commerce companies, is around generating what I call super fans and getting advocacy of your existing users. So, and this is all about retention, really. So what e-commerce customers will do is after somebody has, has been sent a product and after they've got a notification that product has been delivered, they'll often follow up with a video a couple of days later and say, hey, Angie, I, just, I saw that you've received XYZ. I just want to check that you're happy with the product, that it, that it meets you know, your requirements, et cetera. 
anything you're not sure of, let us know. By the way, while I'm here, reviews mean a lot to us uh, at the e-commerce business. Um, I'm including a, te- a Trustpilot review link. If you wouldn't mind going and leaving us one, if you're satisfied, that would be awesome. Now, sending this video takes a bit of time, but the fact that you've just gone and checked in to see that she's happy with the product she's going to love, and then if she does go and leave a review, it's going to be a five-star review every time. So this is being used in this area where you're basically trying to use your existing customers to leave reviews to get more customers to come into the funnel. Um, in SaaS, it might be dropping people a video on their, on their one-year um, I guess anniversary and just say thanks for being with us for a year. You know, it really matters. And obviously just encouraging that user to stay and potentially upgrade um, with other businesses or with, with those. It's also about generating what I say, what I call these advocates where you just show customer service excellence and you show that your customers that you care about them and then they go and tell, tell other people about you. And obviously word of mouth, if you can get it to work is the best converting uh, channel you'll ever have in terms of leads and customers. So those four areas really, so conversion, activation, uh, reactivation, and then um, uh, retention and advocacy. Yeah, great. I mean, it makes, makes complete sense to me. Um, I could see exactly where, uh, where it could be used for a lot of businesses. Um, the e-commerce side, I guess for me, is a bit, it's, it, it's the, probably the tougher one to work out, I would have thought, because you've, you're potentially dealing with like tens of thousands of customers so you've really got to be identifying the the right ones to spend that time on, as opposed to trying to, you know, I guess dedicating one person to just doing video after video every day. Yeah, so it's and so it's interesting. Like we have quite a few e-commerce customers who've ended up hiring people to do this. So speaking to their businesses is obviously pretty effective. Um, I think it depends again on the price point of the of the product you're selling, numbers, value, etc. Like, of course. Uh, we have a lot of fashion labels that use it. Uh, so it obviously makes perfect sense with price points. Uh, and some of those are the ones that have hired people to do this. Uh, they're also looking after... So I think e-commerce companies are getting more savvy around repeat purchasing as well. So if you're a company that has potential for repeat purchasing, then we tend to get used there also because then it's more of a lifetime value play. So it's not a single $10 piece. It's potentially a $10 piece every month for the next five years. Um, Often with those, they might only actually send these ads to people who've come in and purchased a second time. So what they're doing there is they're, is they're filtering down so the users they know are more likely to then go and purchase a third, fourth, fifth time and helping to drive that forward. So again, it's just a case of you know test it and work it out, the ROI on the time to do these versus the value that you get as a business. Um, start wide and then narrow down. Yeah, exactly. I suppose you could, um, like in that last example on lifetime value, yeah, you're right. Once they've purchased a second time, you're probably relatively confident they are going to keep buying from you. And this video just uh, almost ensures that. And then I suppose for, for the other people, for people who've only bought once um, and don't buy, don't make their repeat purchase within the expected time frame, you could maybe uh, sample that group with a video which is actually more about you know, why didn't you why didn't you make a, another purchase? You know, we'd, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the product, um, but less about leaving a review and, and pushing the advocacy piece and more about uh, trying to get feedback for the business. The business can actually improve internally. And any of these things, I mean, anything that you go to go and try, my advice is always like do it in an MVP way, like a minimum viable kind of process, like invest minimal time. So to get something like, like this going, to go the Go and send 15 videos. It'll take you half an hour. 
maximum. Um, you should get some very good leading indicators of whether it will work for you. Um, anything like this that you're trying, give it a go. Don't invest a lot of time. Get some indication if it's working. Then invest a bit more time. Go a bit further and further. Um, and that way, obviously, you can trial and test all these different methods uh, pretty effectively. But rather than, you know, some companies see something like this and then they go all in on day one. And like, I'm always like, no, 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 just you know, pair it back. Let's see if it works for you first, because what works for one company might not work for another. Yeah, that's the case with a lot of things, isn't it? You know, have a look at what other companies are doing and take inspiration from it. But know that you know you need to test it yourself. Uh, you need to put your own little spin on it and things. Um, so if someone wanted to get started with personalized video, um, what are some of the key things they should consider before they start? Um, yeah, and, and where do they start? So again, this comes back to your funnel. Have a look at your funnel. Um, are there points where you think a little bit more personalization or a little bit of a, a better service might help improve points in your funnel, so conversion points? Um, you know, if you struggle with churn, like we used a lot uh, to tackle this, and we're used, obviously, from a from an activation point of view, but also a retention point of view. Um, if you again, if you feel there's areas where where maybe qualitatively, you know that when you spent more time on customers, your conversion rates are improved drastically, it's probably a good indicator that something like, like this will work. Um, if that's the case, you know, I'd hop into I'd hop into Bonjour.com and give it a go. But again, I'd just start I'd just start you know with ten or fifteen customers and just see the kind of reaction that you get. Um, in terms of recording messages, in terms of getting on video, especially if you have your hand done this before, I think th- this can be nerve-wracking for some people, but ultimately, um, we've done a lot of research and surprisingly, what you say is not actually the biggest impactor. Um, it's not about having the amazing pitch. I think if you say the person's name, and even better if you say that, if you are B2B, say the company name, if you're B2C, potentially the product they purchased or where they're based, um, if you have that information. Um, I think doing this, it's again, it's less about it's less about what you say and more the fact that you're doing it, and so you'll be very surprised how people react just because you've taken the time. Um, but again, look, work out where you have points to improve. Are there things you think personalization could help? Give it a quick go, um, and if you get some good some good information back from that, then can I continue from there? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it, yeah, it, it doesn't matter so much uh, the actual content of the message. It is just the fact that you you have made that effort and people really appreciate that. Um, interestingly, I was just thinking back to when I was working uh, as part of Europe Car Group and uh, for one of, for their car club startup. And one of the things I implemented was a new onboarding process where we actually phoned every user who signed up and was within, I think it was about a mile of one of our cars. So we'd phone them up and try and get them through the onboarding process on a phone call. So we're actually taking the time to contact people and say, look, uh, we need this information. This is why we need it. Uh, do you have any questions? Um, you know, re- really trying to help them. Um, and it increased our activation rates and booking rates drastically um, for those for those initial people. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's probably an, an area where, uh, where this sort of personalized video would work really well, actually. Um, especially after they've made a booking, I think. Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, like, like I, I know the HubSpot guys here pretty well, and like HubSpot still do that to this day. Like they said, they said back when they first started, 
if they couldn't fix something, they just throw, throw people at it. And, and they, had, they had a lot of funding that lands do this, but they, they obviously went over the board with every single person, every single customer. And, you know, look down the line, see how big HubSpot is and how much it worked. Um, I think, you know, that, that bit of, like, spending time in customers is an underserved, it, it's an underserved thing on, like, in online businesses. You know, try thinking about e-commerce com- companies that really reach out and spend time on customers, like, few and far between. So, yeah, right now is a good time. Like you, you will stand out if you're doing it. Um, yeah, and like you say, doing a, a Europe car, putting the extra time in. You know, like I'm sure you saw uh, an excellent ROI on the time that was spent. Uh, yeah, that it took to do this. Yeah, I mean, we had we had one guy in particular who was fantastic at it and would get bookings on the phone. So he would. Yeah, these are people who have literally given us like their name, phone number, email. And we've still got to collect from them, you know, uh, ID, photo of their ID, their driving license, DVLA check code, um, which they have to go to the DVLA website to actually get. Um, and then actually persuade them to make a booking. And this guy was able to do it on the phone. Um, so, you know, if he gets one booking per day, he's it's probably covered the cost of him doing that. Yeah, and then awesome. if if we get a couple more bookings through through the rest of the people and then, you know, repeat bookings, uh, yeah, it definitely, definitely pays for itself. So what are the, what are some of the big or common mistakes you see when people, uh, when people get into video? Um, I mean, number one, <laughs> number one thing is not, is not getting into video. I think some people kind of, you know, try to give it a go, send a bit of a test. Don't, don't really try out on customers. Like I think, um, well, there's maybe the maybe more than mistakes. I'll talk about kind of like a bit more on best practice, um, because again, I again, strangely enough, I I don't think you can really go too wrong with it. Um, I think again, the fact of taking time makes makes a, a lot of help. In terms of best pra- practice, I mean, number one thing is is get out of the boring room. You know, like doing these videos on your on your phone, to be honest, yeah, rather than on desktop. Um, although, like we case the both, doing it while grabbing a coffee. Or doing it while you know taking a break. This is the kind of stuff that feels very natural. People like this. Um, it kind of digs a little bit, little bit beneath the surface, and it's all about transparency. So, to, to be honest, the more you you can be, generally, the more effective the videos are. Which sounds a bit counterproductive, but again, this is how people trust you. They, they see you and they go, "Oh, they're just like me." Um, I think when you're doing the videos, uh, response time is is kind of key as well. Um, if people, you know, send these to, to leads or inquiries they've had seven days ago, like any lead, those are going to go cold after a while. Um, generally, you know, within a day is 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 great. Um, within four hours is awesome. Um, and this is no different to any, I guess, kind of sales tactic you kind of do. Um, but if you are using it to top of the funnel for, for leads, that that's what's key. Obviously, activation and retention, not as important um, on timing. Um, but for that top side, if you can do it in four hours, you are in the top kind of performing 2%. Um, I think when you're doing the videos, uh, the one thing I would say is always have an ask. So you are sending these to say thank you, um, obviously to customers, and you're looking for something ultimately, don't be afraid to ask for it. So if you're that e-commerce example I gave, don't be afraid to ask for, for a review. If you're looking to activate a customer on a SaaS uh, platform, don't be afraid to ask the customer to go and do the next step in the platform that you know will get them off to a great start. If you're looking for someone to come back in and see you, ask them to get on a call or on a demo. Again, the fact that you've taken the time for them, 
the ask is is fine people are okay with it the only the only area you might not have that um is potentially if you're doing this for fundraising as a charity and you're thanking you're thanking donors in which case in, the, in that in that case just sometimes a thank you is enough but most of the time have an ask um the next thing is yeah if you do have a lot of numbers that you want to do this with as you start to scale up leverage other team you know don't just do it on your own uh, it's like you said with the uh, with the chap you had at Europe Cup. You never know who's gonna be who's gonna be the best person. The best person on my team is definitely not me. I think I probably get so I still do some every day. I'm like number five, probably in terms of getting results. So although I've done the most, there are teams members that perform far better than me. Uh, they're just a lot better looking and and a lot friendlier. I think so. Uh, bring your team and find out who's the best. Um, I think that's does that. Is that a good kind of starting base, um, do you think? Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, you can't – I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can go wrong, but as long as you just do it kind of properly, uh, you, you should be fine. Um, yeah, you, you're going to have to really mess it up, aren't you? Do something, you're going to have to do something bad in the video to actually uh, make it a negative thing. Um, Don't do about, the naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you've got clothes on. I know it's it's a little, I guess a little bit less personalization, but could you um, record a maybe a more generic video and use that multiple times? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, and this is and this again. It's all about that stage of the funnel and where you go and what works for you. Um, so we allow like we allow you to do videos that you can reuse. We allow you to do videos small groups. I think I think what works like, and this is not this is not just the video thing. This, this is just generally messaging in a funnel in general. There are points that funnel when a phone call or a one-to-one meeting or a Zoom demo makes sense, which is, I guess, kind of like the one end. Next down, you probably have asynchronous video messages where you're doing a 30-second, one-minute video to to an individual. Because you're sending it, it's not a two-way conversation. It's quite quick, but it's still a minute of time. Next, you might want to look at doing um, small groups. Uh, I'm quite a fan of this. Uh, So let's say you're going to the e-commerce example. You know, you might see that 5% of your customers are spending $100. Do the personalization for them. You know, 50% are doing, you know, $50. And then maybe you've got loads of $1 at the bottom that you don't do video for at all. The ones in the middle, potentially rather than just doing a generic video, what's slightly better and it's kind of a midway point is once a day, do a video to those customers. So it's, it's kind of what I call in the moment. Um, it's not unique. It's not personal but it is unique so you can say hey look it's tuesday june the 17th here it's a beautiful day here in london um i saw you purchase from us uh yesterday i just want to check in now and etc and etc et so again although that's not to the individual people are like oh he recorded that this morning which still has quite a big impact and again we've done some research around this it still goes quite a long way um and then you know obviously if you have you know other steps the funnel you might want to use more generic videos like video generally is is a good way of doing transparency and I'm talking about kind of non-edited, just free off-the-cuff videos. Um, but I do like the idea of, you know, where you can segment out the ones you want to do personalization for and then potentially the ones that you want to do, uh, you know, kind of daily updates to. They, again, are are unique, but they are not exhaustive in terms of having to do so many. Yeah, I really like that idea, actually. Just a quick, um, if it's every day, it takes a minute, less than a minute, doesn't it? Like 30, yeah. 30 seconds to do a quick thank you message to 
you know, a segment of your database. Um, and all you've got to do is kind of just reference something that indicates you've actually just recorded this. Yeah, I mean, look, what one that we say is like, thank you Thursdays. I mean, this is going back, back a step even further. Do it once a week. Uh, every every Thursday, pick out a segment of users and say thanks for being with us. Um, you know, so then it's have to be personal and, and, and don't do it all and maybe do it like, you know, 20 or 50 at a time. So each each week you're doing a different group so they never know when it's going to come. It's quite unexpected. Um, but again, you do it like refresh for that day. And you say it's a beautiful Thursday. You just want to say thanks. I know you guys have been with us for three months. Yeah, maybe do do your three month users versus your six month versus your nine month ones. You know, little things like this yeah. go a long way. Yeah, that sounds really good. It's something I really want to try. Actually, are there any <laughs> common myths or misconceptions about using video, like personalized video, in, in whether it's in email or? I think just the getting so. The thing I think is that some people get nervous on video, and so I think what this is. Somebody like somebody pointed out to me actually on a podcast. And I was like, you've, you've got it perfectly. I think video sits on a, on a bit of a pedestal. And the reason why I think is because many years video is the realm of um, actors, TV actors, and movie stars. Um, and so because of that, we still, those of us of a certain generation still, I think have this, this, this um, probably subconscious piece in our heads that video, you have to look perfect. You have to look your best. Everything else it has to be practiced. Um, whereas funnily enough, if you bump into someone on the street or you go to a meeting, you know, you, you don't have that level of pressure. So I would, it's hard to do. If you have this, this kind of, I guess, getting started feeling, I encourage you just to think that having, that sending a video of somebody is no different to having a coffee. You know, it's no different to waving hello to someone on the street. It's not something you have to get, um, yourself looking perfect for. Um, I do mine with my daughter running on my legs. It doesn't, you know, people like that more because again, the, the more real you are, the more authentic you are, the, the better these perform again, because you know, your customers aren't perfect either. Um, so I think that's really the area we see pushback. Once you've got started and done about 20, uh, you start to forget it. By the time you've done a hundred, you, you don't think about it remotely at all. Yeah. Well, I think like, like you were saying earlier, uh, it's difficult to do it wrong. The fact that you are taking that time and making that effort to to record a quick video for someone, um, that's what they appreciate. Uh, no one really cares. You know, if there's a kid, like you say, a kid running around in the background, no one is going to watch that. Well, you might get one in a one in a million people who watches that video and goes, oh, so unprofessional. Can't believe, can't believe you'd send me a video like that. But it depends on your brand. Yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're dealing with, you know, high-end uh, investors, potentially, you know, you're probably going to be wearing a suit. Um, for most of us, that's probably not the case. So, you know, again, ma- match your brand. Like, like that is important. And your team as well. Like your team is your brand. Um, if you've hired well, the way they talk and the way they act and when the way they dress shouldn't be an issue. Um, but I guess just do consider that um, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, any big trends coming up? So any, do you think there'll be some big trends in the, in the use of video in the next 12 to 18 months? I mean, it's <laughs> the, the trend in the last three months, uh, video has, uh, I think a video within the workplace has taken off massively. Um, I mean, just look at the Zoom share price if you, if you want some hardcore evidence of this. Um, like I, think, I think video, people are becoming a lot more comfortable with video. I think it starts internally first. So you're doing Zoom calls internally. You then start to do video calls with customers, and by the, by the time you know it, you're doing things like like using Bonjour. 
Um, so that's happening and it's only going to go stronger. Um, it was always inevitable that video would start to replace, I think, audio calls, um, especially in the workplace. Uh, but that's just been jolted forward. Uh, personally, I think probably by about at least three years, maybe more. I, th- I think we'll know in the next kind of six months. Um, but maybe that's the trend. Like it, it's, it's here. It's happening. Um, the video messaging thing is growing. Um, not that everyone's doing it, but it is starting to become stuff that the I guess top performing sites are starting to use. Um, it's still early though. You know, I, the world's still a big place. If you do this, you'll still be quite unique to your customers. Um, but yeah, now now's the time. Videos only become more popular. Yeah, I think I can see um, video internally being used a lot more, and potentially even companies saying like on internal calls, everyone must be on video because we all know. Uh, the people who are not on video are not fully paying attention to a call. You know, I, I know like, I've, like, I've personally done it myself in meetings where I've been getting a bit bored and it's easy just to switch off a little bit. But um, yeah, you, but you're also just more focused, aren't you? Um, so I think that could become a thing. But yeah, you're right. It'd be interesting how much it picks up for a, uh, a customer-facing uh, tool. It's look, it's communication as well. So like we, so we run a team in six different countries and actually six different continents. So we go everywhere. I, I, we, we wouldn't be able to work as a space with that team without video, because if I can't see someone's face like that, like at the end of the day, audio is audio and tone of voice are probably about 25 to 30% of communication. The other 70% comes through facial expression, through gestures, uh, and so that none of that comes through um, just on audio. So again, if you want to understand what someone's saying, if you really want to understand them, you need to use video. And if you don't use video, you're going to make mistakes because you're going to think someone means one thing. And if you can see them, you'd be like, I oh, know that's, they're obviously joking, etc." So for teams, it's extremely important. And with teams going more remote and dare I say, teams going more global, like absolutely. Um, but then the same thing's happening in the customer space. Like I mentioned us, we're not unique. We're here 95% of our customers are not in the same country. So the only way we can ever meet customers is through video. And we use video for, you know, we do research with customers, we do calls, we do, you know, onboarding, et cetera. Um, we have to do it. Uh, you know, I used to, I used to meet people in coffee shops. I don't think I've done that for two years. And to be honest, it's, it's, it's more efficient these days. Um, so video with customers will just become commonplace. Again, like it's just a thing that's going to happen, and transparency as well. I, I think match to that transparency for brands. I think, I think you know your Ernst and Youngs, your 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 PwCs, because everyone's working at home now and they're doing calls with customers. Maybe they'll start to drop the suits a little bit because everyone's like, oh no, this is fine. I get it. It, it. it you know we're all people, all the same. You know, brands are starting to relax a little bit more, and you know, again, customers are demanding transparency, which I think is 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 being driven by, by the customers into the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on a little bit, uh, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing, either as a marketer uh, or, a, or a consumer? Uh, I just, <laughs> I hate, I hate when marketers, uh, try and cut corners and ruin things. I think, I, I think this is not, this is just a general thing. Uh, I think what's the word, the road to, the road to okay, this is a bit extreme. The road to hell is littered with good with good intentions, or whatever whatever the saying is. I think 
one of the challenges is is that you start going, ooh, is there yeah, is there a more efficient way 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 we can do this? Is there a better way we can do this? Um, and then you start to cut corners, you cut them, cut them, and cut them until you get to a stage where you're starting to hit, I guess, kind of ethical boundaries. So we, so I'll give you an example. We get asked quite a lot, can I record a video for Matt, save it, and send it to every Matt who signs up? Can I record a video for Susan and send that to every Susan? And I'm like, well, technically, you can go ahead and do it. You can work out how to do it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how. Um, but be aware that if Matt or Susan ever find out you're doing that, you've just completely blown, yeah, and they, and, they, and they go public with it, then there goes your funnel. Because then everyone knows that that is not really a, rec- a video recorded for them. It's you pretending to have recorded the video for them in order to get a better conversion rate. Now, there's obviously a moral gray area there. <laughs> it's up to you as a business to decide if, if you want to cross. Uh, but now, again, do I think at the beginning, maybe you were thinking that way, probably not. You were just looking for you know efficiency and scale. But there is a danger for us as marketers or as founders or you know, as growth teams um, to cross that line and not even realize we're doing it. So my pet peeve is, is yeah, um, make sure what you're doing is eth- is ethical. Like absolutely, go after conversions and, and better retention rates, and yeah, and try and fix your funnel, uh, but do it in the right way wherever you can. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah, I, I, you start you start off with a project. You're thinking, how can we boost loyalty or retention or whatever? You come up with an idea that is. Uh, maybe labor intensive or a bit difficult to scale. And then someone goes, well, what if we do it like this, we can save so many hours and or days worth of work. And then no one really thinks, well, actually it's no longer personalized. It's, it's not being done for the reason we originally intended it. Um, yeah, that- and then inevitably you get that person who signs up with two different emails, uh, gets the same video and then goes, oh, hang on a minute, this isn't personalized. Yeah, and then as the opposite case of the brand, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, the other example is look at email open rates of like EDMs over time. Uh, I guess the whole kind of you know autofill attribute with name and company name, um, everyone now knows that's just done automatically. And so, you know, generally, like EDMs before have performed like I've seen it in our business lifecycle have performed worse and worse over time. Um, so again, it, it was always going to happen. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that you know it damages everyone uh, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I've mentioned a few times, uh, I think on the podcast actually, about how you know when I talk to people about personalization, you know, stuff like putting a first name in an email, just like no one cares anymore. You might notice if if you don't put it, people might notice if that's not there at all. But I don't think anyone cares when they get an email saying "Hi Will" or "Hi Matt." Like you, yeah. you know, it's 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 not being written uh, by someone. Um, but there are other places I think that does still work. You know, if you log into a website and it acknowledges you by your name, I, I do yeah. think that's a little bit more noticeable. Um, so do you have a t- particular marketing channel or tactic that you would kill off com- completely? Or maybe not completely. I've had a few people just say they would uh, want to really change something. But um, yeah. Do you mean, do you mean for us, us personally and what we do? Or do you mean just globally? more like you just you as you is there out there in the marketing world is there a channel or tactic that you think is uh terrible or yeah you just like to see see gone i mean I, i'm not or really one that, against or one that you just don't like so, other, so 
other than what I mentioned before, where people kind of, you know, looking for shortcuts and crossing the gray area, that's that applies to all channels. It's more of a of an asterisk, I guess. Um, channels, I don't, I don't, I don't hate any channels. I think they all have their place. I think for certain, I mean, here's the thing: I, I could say a chat like I don't like a certain channel, and then and then we, and then we build a, a, a business where that channel work, works for us. You know, I think we've tested, I think twelve channels, and we've. We've got three that we that work well for us, and one that we're developing. Um, and there's a bunch of channels that we haven't even tried yet. Like, I don't, I don't have any strong opinions. I, I think the channel, the channel for the job is is fine. Um, maybe that's not the answer I was supposed to give. Uh, what about a tactic? So I suppose the tactic is the better question, isn't it? Channel is a bit too broad, but any any particular tactics that you feel are a bit. As be fair, my my my, my head of marketing really has a bugbear about this and this is the idea of growth hacks so again like i hope this is kind of saying the right way but like we see a thing where everyone's looking for growth hacks and everyone's searching for growth hacks and everything's about hacks and people will try 99 percent of these growth hacks and they won't work and maybe they'll get one that works a little bit um and the other way to look at it and marketing is stop looking for shortcuts, stop looking for hacks and stop trying to copy hacks from other companies that are nothing like yours. Um, and this is not just marketing, but it's actually applies to building products and building businesses. It's far better to find things uh, that are labor intensive, but get great, great effects that you can then look to, um, I guess, improve on and, you know, make leaner over time. It's far more effective to do that and find ones that work for you than try, try and trying out a hundred shortcuts. Put that time into doing three things properly, and you're probably going to get a much better result. The speed and the hacking and the shortcuts can come later. And most of those hacks that you hear that you read about started this way. So I think stop looking for quick shortcuts. Concentrate on things that you believe will work and where you have information that things certainly work. And if it takes you all the time in the world, don't worry about it because you can you can change that later. Just, just focus on results to start with. Yeah, well, I think, I think for me, the issue with growth hacking is that um, what you tend to see in all these articles and and on, on Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff, they are it's it's not what um, it was Sean Ellis, wasn't it? Growth hacking. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's not what he talked about. You know, his, his growth hacking was you put a team together that is really, really focused on finding those growth levers and, and, and generating, you know, significant results for a business. Most growth hacking out there is, isn't really focused on business growth. It's focused on just, uh, driving, you know, driving a hundred thousand site visitors to your, to your landing page in seven days or gaining 50,000, uh, Twitter, Twitter followers. I think it's just, I think it's shortcuts. I, I think it's, I think what people are talking about is shortcuts, not yeah. And to get a growth hack, you know, you, you try a hundred, you try you try twenty things, and one of them works. Yeah, and then you work on that thing iteratively, iteratively for three months, six months, and then it starts to become what ultimately be, you know is a growth hack. But it's not an overnight quick shortcut at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was really great stuff, Matt. Really interesting. Um, I'm, I really like uh, like video. I've actually started using it myself and doing some outreach. If uh, people want to find out a bit more or contact you, how would they do that? Uh, if they want to contact me, go to LinkedIn and type in Papa Bear. Uh, I think there's actually three people on there. I'm, I'm the guy wearing the bear suit, so you can find me that way. 
Um, if you do want to reach out, please do. A lot of people I say this to don't end up reaching out. Um, I reached out a lot when I first started and it helped me out immensely. Um, so please take the time. Otherwise, uh, like if you want to try Bonjour, head to bonjour.com, sign up. Uh, you will get a video from one of us somewhere in the world um, that will be recorded for you. So at least you'll get to experience it firsthand and see if maybe it's something that might work for you. Brilliant. Cheers, Matt. That's it. How cool does that all sound? I'd never really considered the possibility of using personalized video in bulk. Um, while I suppose what he was talking about might not be quite considered personalized, uh, at least you can give a, a sort of unique experience and let people know that you really are doing this on a daily basis and sending them a, a quick fairly unique message. There's very few brands doing this right now, uh, B2B and B2C, so you've got a great opportunity to test this out for yourself and set yourself apart from the competition. So go check out Bonjuro. Um, but if you've got any questions about personalization generally and you know how to segment customers, uh, do get in touch with myself at will at customerswhoclick.com. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Raj Anand, the founder of Goodman Lantern, We'll be chatting about uh, content marketing and how you can build a strategy to grow any business. But until then, keep those customers clicking.